Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Hi, and welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Amy Middleton here. Today on Women on the Line, I speak with two women fighting hard to save an organisation that has helped young Australians get info on sex for the past 11 years. As we know, sex education doesn't happen by itself. It also doesn't necessarily happen at school, at times that politicians have decided are appropriate. It happens organically and often between peers, and it's hardly ever a simple conversation. That's why this organisation, which has just lost its national funding, is so important to our young people. YEAR is an acronym for Youth Empowerment Against HIV AIDS, and it's a youth-led organisation that essentially educates young people to educate young people. They're the young folks in red you might see at music festivals and queer events handing out condoms. What percentage of HIV infections do you think are between like the 25 and younger age group in Australia? I would have no idea. I'd guess around 15%. Almost there, it's 25. At the time Yeah lost its funding, there were 60 new young people per week subscribing to its mailing list, keen for information on sexual health and well-being. Today, I chatted to Alicia Ross, the founder of YEAR, and Claire Butzler, the manager of YEAR's peer education program, about the cuts, the consequences, and the cause, and whether there's still a chance to save this crucial organisation. What do you think about young people like us who have training handing out condoms at festivals? Um, I actually think it's really good just to educate everyone about SCIs. I think it's good to be knowledgeable. I definitely approve. I'm all for it. I think it's a good way of doing it. Knowledge is a tool. Alicia and Claire, thanks for joining me for Women on the Line. It's nice to have you here. Thanks so much, Amy. Um, And sorry about the recent funding cuts. It must be a stressful time is probably an understatement. Very, very tough days at the moment, yeah. So for listeners that aren't aware... YEAR is referred to as a youth-led sexual health organisation. Can you talk us through what that means, youth-led? Sure. So it's really our point of difference. Um, YEAR has, a at the very centre of the organisation, a peer education program where we train young people, uh, regardless of whatever background they might have, where pre-existing knowledge around sexual health, but we train young people, give them the opportunity to become educators around sexual health for their peers because we know that young people turn to their mates. They turn to people of a similar age group for information, and if their friends don't know what they're talking about, then all we're getting is this kind of um, vicious cycle of of misinformation being spread. I mean, it does seem sort of... um, It seems a bit crazy to think that older people can dictate when and where and how we learn about sexuality, because some of us happens beyond our control. 
Sure. Well, look, my first thing I'd say to that is let's let logic prevail. I think if most people listening to this reflect whether they're a young person right now or whether they were once young, um, I'm sure everybody listening was once young, um, did you talk to your mates? Did you turn to people of a similar age? And I think, you know, most people go, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, But beyond that, there is just a wealth of evidence out there. There is so much research that is done with young people that consistently shows us that large numbers of young people turn to their friends for information and even more recent research that says um, young people, when asked what they would like uh, to help improve their access to sexual health education, young people saying, we'd really like peer mentors. Okay. Right, that's so interesting. So you've put in place this program of peer educators, they're called. Can you tell us a bit about how that's rolled out nationally? Sure. So the program kicked off as a pilot seven years ago and uh, with successful results, we have been able to now establish peer education teams um, running permanently in Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Darwin and Perth. Uh, It's been quite a stretch for a very small team in the office of four people to run, um, I guess, on the ground outreach programs in five major cities around the country and an ever-growing list of young people demanding um, that we set up new teams in new areas, in regional areas. Um, and also in, in the other jurisdictions where we don't yet have an on-the-ground presence. Well, that's incredible. How do you even do that? Well, you know, one of the things that I think has taken many years, yeah, has been around for 11 years now, is building a trusted relationship. And I think that that's probably the most valuable aspect of, yeah, a trusted relationship with young people as Um, an organisation that through word of mouth, which I think is always the strongest kind of recommendation, so many young people have engaged with YEAR over 11 years that in that time we've hit a critical mass. You have hit a point where people tell their mates, hey, check out this organisation. The stuff that they have is really authentic. It's relevant. It's in an authentic youth voice. I guess that's because it's youth-led, you know, and that sort of that, that cycle perpetuates more and more youth engagement. And that's why we see, you know, just sort of exponential demand for our programs and services. Yeah, there's nothing more on the nose than when someone like a politician tries to get on the level with youth. You know, you can spot it from a mile away and it's so disingenuous. Um, Claire, you're the program manager for the um, the youth-led aspect of the um, peer educators. So can you Talk us through what it looks like at festivals and events and stuff um, when these people are on, these educators are on the ground talking to their peers. Uh, yeah, so the whole aim of the Air's volunteers is to really just make it fun and to take away any sort of awkwardness or embarrassment. So they really try and make it a fun environment where people are actually enticed to come over and talk to them. It's not, you know, those awkward salesmen harassing people as they're walking past, you know, People actually want to come up and they're interested to see what is happening. So we've got lots of fun things that people can just come up and take for free, that, you know, slap bands, we've got condoms and tins, we've got lots of little fun info cards. And people come up and at first they're a bit shy and then when they just are able to talk to our young people, they realise that actually this isn't anything to be embarrassed about. They can ask questions that maybe they've never felt comfortable asking other people before and, you know, they're not talking to a doctor or a nurse or a teacher. It's someone just like them who's going to give them a straightforward answer that is, you know, real life and is really relevant to them. And how do you go about educating those peer educators? It sounds like a big job nationally. 
It, they go through a two-day training process. Okay. So um, it's really um, quite comprehensive at the training that they get. So we go through topics like STIs, HIV, safe sex, so the proper way of using condoms and other barrier methods, so really spending a lot of time getting to know them and feeling comfortable around them. Um, and we also do um, really more sort of real-life stuff like consent, what is a healthy relationship, what is a respectful relationship, and how stigma and discrimination can really affect people's health and their ability to lead happy lives. So they get really comprehensive knowledge and they go away feeling really confident and being able to then talk to their peers about those topics. Just to um, to add to what Claire's been saying, I think it's really important that people understand that the value behind peer educators is to value add to what teachers do, what parents have the capacity to do. It's definitely not there to replace, um, uh, you know, those other avenues. Young people get information around sexual health from loads of different um, sources. They're never going to go to one source for information, Mm. but we know that friends is a big source they go to. So those peer educators are there to provide that youth-friendly aspect, but they're not there to replace doctors or nurses or Mm. healthcare professionals or teachers, but to really value add and to fill the gap, the bit that young people themselves say, hey, I really need to speak to, you know, um, a trustworthy other young person who might be a bit like a big brother or a big sister who knows what they're talking about, you know, who can be honest and frank with me and, and help me find the services I need and that kind of stuff. Cool. Thanks for adding that. Um, and yeah, does have a particular focus on being inclusive of diverse identities. Um, how have you gone about achieving that? It's something we're really proud of. I think it's the other unique aspect of YEAR, as well as being youth-led, is that um, we're all-inclusive. And from the very get-go when YEAR started, it was about young people. Um, So I often describe it as, well, if the only basis upon which YEAR discriminates, it's on age, um, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It's really about uniting young people. I think that um, we see lots of targeted... Um, health services, particularly sexual health services, um, that are targeting a a particular gender um, or another particular sort of subpopulation group, whether that's defined by sexuality. Mm. And those targeted initiatives are super important, but we do need something that can also just bring young people together irrespective of how they identify their gender and sexuality. And that's the bit that YEAR does. Mm -hmm. So you're talking a lot about the gaps that it fills and I'm wondering how uh, whether you can give us a bit of a, an idea of how it's developed over the years, what sort of changes there have been and and um, and what you had in mind when you founded it. Well, yes, from the very beginning, um, the first gap that YES set out to achieve, um, to address, was HIV education mm. for younger generations. I grew up with HIV in my family and therefore through that default experience, I knew all too well that the only reason I knew anything about HIV was because it happened to me, but pretty much all my mates my age that missed all the campaigns of the 80s and the 90s didn't know a thing. And I think it's really important that if we're serious about HIV prevention and ending stigma, then whole of communities need to understand, you know, the complexity of HIV as an issue. Um, So, yeah, which stands for Youth Empowerment Against HIV, you know, was set up to fill that gap. But really quickly, we recognise that the audiences we were talking with um, are the young people. Huge interest to learn about HIV, but an equally um, big interest to have a lot of questions um, around sexual health answered Mm. as well. 
So we expanded to meet the needs of the audience because we listened to them. And um, at the time that Yes funding was cut, there was 60 new young people subscribing to this mailing list every week. So I want to talk a bit about what what it is that those young people are going to miss out on if Yeah doesn't receive any Lifeline funding. You've hit the nail on the head. This is this is probably the most tragic aspect of um, having our funding cut is the number of young people turning to us, as you've just pointed out, each week, you know, additional new young people turning to us each week through word of mouth, um, organic growth, you know, young people are flooding towards Yeah for information. So I don't know the answer to that question, where will they go? Because um, there are other services out there that are primarily clinical services. Um, There are family planning clinics, you know, and the like. Um, and other, you know, like I mentioned earlier, organisations that might target a particular group. So mm. if you're young and identify as GLBTI or, you know, but where is the organisation that you can just go to because you're a young person and you know that the content will be youth friendly, um, you know, it will be exclusively dedicated space to you. And, you know, Yeah has the largest existing online reach with young people Australia wide, not just in one city or one mm. state. And even the government that are defunding us have acknowledged that we have the largest online reach. So, you know, I think it's time to actually maybe start to hold our government accountable and say, well, hang on a second, it's our taxpayer money that you're choosing to pull away from this organisation. Why, when they've achieved everything that you funded them to set out to do, and then some? Well, what are the reasons you've been given? Well, you know, more questions around this because... um, the responses that we're getting from the um, unknown government spokespeople really don't quite add up. You know, we've had them say, well, we're not defunding youth sexual health because we had a tender process and we decided to um, allocate money to web-based resources only um, and that money's been granted to another organisation. Um So I guess there's kind of two issues there, you know, we're saying, okay, so you're putting 100% of your, of the, of the taxpayer money to addressing youth sexual health at a national level, 100% of it's going to web-based resources. Web-based resources are really important, but they definitely don't replace Mm face-to-face. They don't replace hard resources either. I mean, how does a website replace a condom? (laughs) Just, you know, try to work that one out. Um... So on one level, it's just about, you know, the government narrowing its focus and thinking that a website can just fix everything now. The other side is whoever they've given the web resource money to, we're baffled because there isn't another organisation that has um, the proven track record of, yeah, we've worked in this space as the only national youth-led organisation for 11 years. So one of their criteria was proven track record. Well, there just ain't anyone else out there that can really compare to us on that level. The other is cost effectiveness. Well, my question is, if the government have agreed we have the largest existing reach, then whoever they've given the money to has a smaller one. Mm -hmm. So you work out the math. That doesn't sound like a cost-effective approach um, because whatever else is going to happen is going to have to start from scratch. So are you at a point now where you're looking to other lifelines? I understand there's a June 30 deadline on um, on probably years' survival. Um, where are you at now? Look, we are we have been you know actively working round the clock for the last couple of weeks to pursue other funding opportunities. 
um, through, you know, the usual channels from crowdfunding, um, you know, for listeners out there that think that they might be able to, you know, get involved in that capacity. It's all up on our website um, through to philanthropic, you know, um, organisations we've approached, um, city councils, state governments, you know, we're looking at lots of different options. Nothing has been secured as yet. We have 15 days left. And probably the most significant thing that we can do right now to really make a difference, 15 days left or or thereabouts, is really make some serious noise. And I know the listeners at at, at 3CR um, are an active and activist bunch. And so we need good noise, loud noise, lots of noise right now. Um, The number one thing I would appeal to, to people you know, listening in that that feel passionate about this is sign our petition, like make some serious noise um, and people can do that by going to yeah, y-e-a-h dot org dot au forward slash sign. So we're talking about um, the loss of funding for YEAR as an organisation. Um, where did that funding lie and what did it represent to you? So our funding from the um, federal government has been our primary source of funding, um, you know, and I think what's really interesting here, people when people hear that you're funded federally and that you run a national organisation with national reach in face-to-face programs as well as online capacity, I think people think you get, you know, millions of dollars or even tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, gets less than half a million dollars to run programs nationally, online and face-to-face, mm-hmm. with the largest existing reach. I mean, this is a drop in the ocean in our health budget. It's, I think, outrageous and we should be ashamed if we let this happen, that Australia will revert back to having no youth-led sexual health organisation in the whole country, none at all, um, because we wouldn't cough up less than half a million dollars at a time when young people's sexual health um, you know, is nothing but a growing issue of concern. We're seeing it popping up in the media all the time. Here's an initiative that works. It has proven track record. It's super cost effective. And the demand is is just going through the roof. Mm-hmm. We've had a 50% increase on workshop bookings, um, you know, just since We've been making a lot of noise about losing our funding. Actually, everyone's like rushing to book us. I think more people are hearing about us. It's like, wow, even more people want and demanding these services. That's an incredible statistic. The irony is palpable. So how, when we're talking about rolling out um, using this funding of less than half a million dollars, how many different workshops and peer um, locations are there? We're in five cities. So we're in Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Darwin and Brisbane. Um and we have probably about sort of 15 to 30 volunteers in each state. We have quite a lot more in Melbourne. That's our main 
team. So we have about between 125 and 150 active agents, active volunteers across the country. Um, so we do mainly we do workshops and events in those cities, but every now and then we're requested to do some regional events and it's really tough for us to get to them, but we always do our hardest to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last couple of months, we've, you know, our agents have travelled hundreds of kilometres to reach young people in really rural areas who wouldn't otherwise be not be getting any sort of sexual education. We're getting teachers, we're getting nurses and local community services asking us to come and talk to the young people in their areas because they just don't feel comfortable doing it. And without us, I don't know where they're going to get that sort of help from. It begs the question, um, how much do you think this cut in your funding is emblematic of a wider sort of um, wider cuts to that impact young people and particularly young diverse people in, uh, by this government? Oh, look, I think the cuts that we've seen to the community sector and quite specifically to um, youth organisations in the community sector is like second to none. I can't, you know, recall seeing this kind of um, savage cuts to fundamental community organisations that really help the health and wellbeing of young people. I mean, it's madness. And what does this say about the government, do you think? Well, I think it says that um, the government's got a pretty confused um, point of view if they think that they're trying to create a strong and healthy economy. Tell me a country that's ever done that without health and education at the centre of it, you know. When you slash and you cut your future generations and your investment in young people and at the same time educational opportunities and at the same time healthcare, um, sorry, how do you get a strong, healthy economy out of that? Oh, and let's not forget the arts as well, you know, let's cut all of our creative capital as well. I mean, this is the, the lifeblood stuff that makes a healthy, happy society and therefore a strong economy and, wow, what a crazy path we're going down with these sorts of cuts. So tell listeners um, once more how they can get involved. What's the best route to save year at this crucial time? Look, there's no question that the easiest um, and really important way that everyone out there can um, really help us make some noise is help us sign the petition. Um, We strongly believe if we can get to 10,000 signatures that we can um, get a funding commitment so, you know, we're about a third, just under a third away there and, um, you know, we don't have a lot of time left, but I believe that um, I'm talking to a very active audience. So please jump online, uh, head to yeah.org.au forward slash sign and, um, yeah, sign away and share it with your, your network, share it with your friends. Um, this is a chance where we, you know, as a community um, can actually save youth sexual health in this country. Awesome. So the website, once again, is yeah.org.au forward slash sign um, and be sure to share that URL with your networks after you've signed the petition yourself. Thanks very much, Alicia and Claire, for joining us. Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you. It's our job, it's our duty to, to try to really kind of engage with the public and be out there raising awareness. We now have trained up hundreds of young people to be young peer educators and um, what that means really is we're making sure they've got the the knowledge the the tools and the skills to go out and to educate their peers around HIV and sexual health awareness. The idea of having peer educators for sexual health kind of talking about their experiences and relating it back to how you feel at that certain point in your life is a really good one um, mostly because having someone your own age 
telling you about their own experience and like telling you how to be safe in that way, um, I think is a lot more relevant and I think young people will probably pay heed to it a lot more. So what we really aim to do is have young people come in like as an older brother or sister sort of sort of figure and make an environment where they feel the students feel comfortable really opening up and asking questions and having a giggle sometimes but not feeling too embarrassed about um, any questions that they might have. One of the main issues facing Australians in relation to sex and sex ed is just making sure that every kid gets a really inclusive education as well and not sort of assuming that every student is straight and cisgender and all that sort of stuff. Along with this, you've also got issues surrounding lack of knowledge. So lots of people don't understand what the sort of prevalence of STIs in Australia is. So we've actually got rising rates at the moment, quite dramatically rising. And that is another major issue which really needs to be dealt with. There are so many people with different views about uh, whether we should or shouldn't be talking to young people about sexual health. And I think that the only real answer we can give there is the evidence shows that when you provide young people with comprehensive information from a young age and you incrementally build on that as they're developing and growing and becoming, you know, from children into adolescence and into their young adulthood, uh, that is the best thing you can do if you care about the sexual health and well-being of young people. I just really wish that there wasn't such a stigma around it and I think my main message would be um, that education is the key. Thanks once again to Alicia and Claire for chatting with us. Um, and that URL, once again, if listeners want to jump on and sign the petition to save Yeah, is yeah.org.au forward slash sign. We'll catch you next week for another edition of Women on the Line. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a group of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast. I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs>